Welcome to the About Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Skirtu, and you can find me at www.therapistinstlouis.com or my podcast, which you're already listening to, www.aboutsexpodcast.com. Thank you for joining me today. And so you know, I have two very interesting people on the show today who are the hosts of the podcast, Clitorally Speaking. That's how I say it. Yes. And they are Emily T. Lane and Michelle Doherty. Is it Doherty or Doherty or Doherty? It, it's Doherty. Like <laughs> Doherty. Like Doherty so, Ferry Road. You know? Oh, oh. Yeah. Well, you know, I never knew actually how to pronounce oh, Doherty okay. Ferry Road. I've been calling it Doherty. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very Irish that way. <laughs> I know. I'm very Irish. So anyhow, ladies. Um, okay. So you guys are the podcast. You have a podcast that features honest, vulnerable, unapologetic, and funny conversations over a bottle of wine. Now we're not doing this episode over a bottle of wine, but sounds like a lot of fun. What got you guys started in your show? Wow. Well, thanks so much, Angela, for having us on your podcast. Um, Absolutely. We're so excited about being able to, you know, talk about ourselves. I mean, we never run out of time. Uh, <laughs> our uh, favorite inter- topic. Our favorite topic. <laughs> Who doesn't but, like talking about them? Right. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, so I'm Michelle Doherty and Emily. And I'm I, Emily Lane. And Emily Lane. <laughs> I'm Emily, and we are. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Time for your dance number. Right. Jazz hands. Um, So Emily and I started clearly speaking the podcast a year, 18 months, nearly, uh, yeah, about 18 months ago. She and I were having dinner at a great, actually we're having just wine at this uh, wonderful restaurant called Fraser's in St. Louis. And we had been talking about a bunch of stuff like it, you know, from dating and like sex and camel toe. work life and camel toe. I mean, well, that's that, my all, favorite topic. All that goes in, yeah. And uh, I said to Emily, I said, I said, this we need to, this needs to be a podcast. This information that we're sharing and laughing about and over wine, it needs to be a podcast. And she said, I absolutely. And I was like, well, and I want it to be called clearly speaking the podcast. And she says, I love it. And so then two days later, she showed up with a business plan, a binder full of action steps. And a week and a half later, we were in a studio recording. So I tell that's a every- pretty quick turnaround. <laughs> I tell everybody that be careful if you tell Emily Tristelaine your dreams, because she will make them a reality. Yeah. What made you want to start it, Emily? Because I mean, I know you kind of said it was a good idea for a podcast. So what what attracted you to the idea? I've been a podcast listener since before they were cool, and um, so I've I've always been a big fan of them. And I really loved the kinds of conversations that Michelle and I would have. I, you know, there's so many times when I've found myself in various social settings where I'd be having conversations that felt very surface level. And I'm always hungry for the ones that either give me ideas or help change my perspective and just aren't afraid to go there. And so one of the things that I really appreciated in my friendship with Michelle was that we always went there with our conversations and, you know, we would be laughing so hard. I felt like I got a major ab workout that night or, you know, (laughs) and I just love that, you know, I, I could talk about the most embarrassing things and feel like I was in a safe place to do that. And that just made me really um, get excited about this idea of kind of creating this community of conversation and opening 
by being vulnerable ourselves, hopefully it would foster a movement to help other women feel that they can free, freely share amongst themselves as well. All right. Now, before we get into this next conversation, I just want to stop to give us a word from our new sponsors. So I am now working with a really cool company called Let's Get Checked. You can find them at trilgc.com slash stay kinky. What's really cool about this company actually is that they're doing testosterone testing for men and hormone checks for men and women. A lot of people are struggling with hormonal imbalances and reduced testosterone levels, which really can impact your sex life. And so more and more men and women are trying to test their hormone levels to see how they're doing. One in four men over 30 are actually low in testosterone. Symptoms you might want to look at include fatigue, erectile dysfunction, low sex drive, anxiety, brain fog, even having a hard time making decisions, which is basically most of my client population. (laughs) Just teasing. But I mean, enough of you who come see me are actually really struggling with testosterone levels and your sex drive. So what's cool about this group is you can pick from either a male hormone test kit, a female hormone test kit, or an STD test kit. And what's really cool is they send it right to you in your home. You do what you need to do to take the test. And depending on what test you use, you'll either have to do a blood sample or a blood sample and a urine sample. And then you send it back and everything's completely confidential. And basically they deliver to your home, they collect your sample, they review your results for you. So depending on what happens with your test, they may provide a prescription in some cases. Usually it would only be for something like if they're treating STDs. If you do end up having something longer term like hormone therapy, then you'll likely be referred to a longer term provider. But at least you'll know where you stand. So it's really cool. Your results are available and they'll be reviewed by a physician. And then a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone. The Let's Get Checked Laboratories are CLIA approved and everything is completely anonymous. So again, that website is trylgc.com slash stay kinky and use the coupon code stay kinky to get 20% off. So you guys, I'm so interested in this title, clitorally speaking. So what I think is you guys are just talking about the clit all the time. Like it's clit this, (laughs) clit that. So is it that or is it completely different? (laughs) Uh, so I, I think the, um, the title is very nuanced because mm-hmm. it's clitorally speaking. So that's like, you know, the, like a, an essence of femininity, uh, and, and honesty and, you know, and joy. And there's so much pleasure. more to, and pleasure. And there's so. so much more to a woman <laughs> than just her clit. Right. And there's Absolutely. so much more to explore and unravel and um, and share than than just just I mean even you know people are mistaken so many times that the clitoris is just simple little button at the you know at the top of the you know underneath the the labia or whatever they just think that's it but it actually, actually it's pretty big it's yeah. pretty big right and it has it's like a it, whole it's, triangle it like goes deep goes in your up body inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and then some um, say it's the back of the g spot <laughs> some do right, right? Mm-hmm. but it's i mean it's a it's a it's a pleasure palace it's a pleasure center it's a mm-hmm. it's an entire pleasure development right it's not just one little hotel right i'm i was saying whole monopoly board <laughs> it's all <laughs> you know you just um, introduced it's a boardwalk and park place <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, and do not pass for the without. vagina <laughs> right <laughs> exactly 
<laughs> so, um, so, so it's a, it's an engaging title. It's, um, it's a, it's, I wouldn't necessarily call it a deceiving title because we do talk about sex and we do talk about, you know, elements female of issues, right? female issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, and we also just talk about women and we talk with, when we're talking with our guests, we are talking about them and what makes them whole, you know, they're, they're more than just their job. They're more than just the, the, the thing that happened to them, you know, and, and women are more than just a clitoris. And you're telling the story you're getting, mm-hmm. you're hearing people's stories beyond just sex. It's about what, what brought them here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you know that, you know, people's stories play an important role in sex. And, you know, so I, I, I love what you say, Michelle, about it being very nuanced. I mean, I think part of our name, it's a little tongue in cheek. Part of it is to elicit, elicit a response. But but in truth, it's it's really just about the complexity of what it is to be a woman. Okay. Yeah. And what's funny <laughs> Is that when we tell when we are telling uh, new listeners, especially new male listeners, if we you know, oh, we have a podcast and it's called Clitterally Speaking, they never can find it because they're trying to spell it anatomically instead of <laughs> literally with a C. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so I think that's funny that it's like the men are, still can't find us. Yeah. <laughs> well, just know? like they can't find the clitoris, exactly, right? right? Sometimes exactly. it's just it's consistent. <laughs> they're not letting us down, you know. Oh God. Well, so, all right. That's really interesting. So like, what are some, what are some of the complex stories that you guys get to hear? And what are, I mean, what are your own personal stories about why, why, why do you think it's so complex to be a woman? So two story questions, but I'm curious what you guys think. Uh, so the kinds of stories, they range all over the place. Um, we've had stories from, you know, very deeply intense and personal stories of, you know, we had, conversation with Regina Sykes, who had lost her daughter. Um, You know, originally when she went missing, they felt that she was probably a victim of sex trafficking. Um, It's much harder than that. She was actually a victim of murder. And it was the whole unraveling of that story of the, the long search to find her daughter and the the political issues that surrounded it and the um, discrimination and the just the so many layers of of her story and to the resolution of finally finding her daughter several months later. Um, you know, we we spoke with another woman, Julia Greco, who suffered from uh, it, migraines, but they're they're just they're constant. She, you know, 20 plus days out of a month, she has a debilitating migraine. And it led her to this place where she was suicidal. And so it was her coming to terms with that and then her recovery from being at that dark place. Very beautiful um, uh, love story entwined in there. Um, Her husband even shared a beautifully written letter on our show that he wrote about Julia. So very, very intimate conversations. Um, But, you know, we also have fun. We we have um, uh, some recurring guests like uh, Dr. Becky Lynn, who's an OBGYN, who's a very much an advocate for women's sexual health, especially women who are perimenopause or menopausal or postmenopause. And, um, you know, we, we have lots of fun talking about everything from, you know, first sex, sexual experiences to how to keep it alive. (laughs) (laughs) 
You're talking about the person. Keep them alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> We've had. Uh, go ahead. Go on. Go ahead, Michelle. Well, I was going to say a couple other great conversations we've had are with um, the maker of the new um, Ose personal massager, mm-hmm. Laura DiCarlo, who had won an award at the Consumer Electronics Show in January of 2019 for, uh, in the robotics category. But then they rescinded it because it was um, immoral and profane because it was a what? woman's <laughs> pleasure device, right? And it's a hands-free and it's um, and it's customizable and they rescinded the award and we had her on the show and you know we don't like to take total credit because I'm sure they did a lot of work on their side but after she was on the show they uh re-awarded her the, uh, they gave that's, it back yeah, that's silly. if it was an amazing thing that she did I don't know why they well I mean I kind of I have a personal opinion that a lot of times women I don't know are held back in our lives randomly for weird things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it was it was very um hypocritical because at the Consumer Electronics Show there were life-size fuck dolls for men and porn <laughs> sections that they like virtual porn, virtual porn. And, and so here is a, a pleasure device an insertable pleasure device supposed to give you a blended orgasm um that one for innovation in robotics and then was, you know, immoral and profane. So I guess some, uh, some people in that organization felt that women's orgasms were in, immoral and profane. Um, <sighs> and then we so had common <laughs> <laughs> and then we had another great conversation with, uh, an author, um, of buzz, the history of sex toys. And she, that was, that was absolutely fascinating. And I will remember her name in just one moment. Hallie Lieberman. Oh, Hallie Lieberman. Thank you. Yeah. Like, it's an age. And that yeah. was fascinating. I, yeah. I like how just freely she would talk about masturbation. Like for me, that is a word that I've struggled saying up until really our show. Like <laughs> I've, you know, like saying the word makes me blush. But she was just so like, oh, I've always loved masturbating. And like <laughs> her greatness with it. Yeah. I was just like, wow, that is amazing. Yeah, it's a great book. It's a great book, and St. Louis plays a little bit of history in uh, in the uh, development of the blow up sex doll. Oh, really? So, What's the history? So the history is there was the um, one of the makers of the blow up sex doll uh, needed a focus, <laughs> didn't have enough money for the focus for a focus group, but he had a friend in St. Louis, so he <laughs> mailed him he mailed him a prototype, and this friend came home from drinking and tried to fuck the blow-up doll and it deflated on him then he proceeded to beat the doll and then he then he threw it out the window and almost caused a traffic accident as people are driving along like 40 you know and they see this like body floating through the air yeah so Lewis's contribution to the blow-up sex doll so the accidental murder of the doll but hey i mean you got to learn how to use it somehow hey you know you got to keep that thing he stabbed uh, inflated because you know, otherwise they'll uh They'll get upset. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, this makes me think of a weird question, but like, do you guys feel like people are a little bit um, overwhelmed by female sexuality at times? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of fear around it, you know, and it's just, I look at all of just, just globally and culturally, you know, they're all of the, 
all of the things that are done to repress women's sexuality within religion, within, you know, think about, um, you know, FGM, you know, female genital mutilation and to, you know, prevent pleasure because, oh my God, should they actually enjoy sex? You know, they'll become whores, you know? Um, Yeah. What do they think will happen? (laughs) I'm really curious. Right. I, you know, apparently some good orgasms mean they will conquer the world. I, I'm not exactly sure. Well, I get good orgasms and I do feel like I'm conquering the world. So maybe it's true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or maybe they, they'll feel like they're not needed. You know, uh, if if women Um, are able to pleasure themselves, give themselves blended orgasms, you know, or, um, you know, be able to discuss what they want in the bedroom, um, in a, in a, a clinical manner or not, you know, that maybe they'll think that she will realize that I suck at sex and she'll leave me and go find somebody else. So instead of me, the partner working hard to get better at it, I will just Mm. uh, shame her for wanting more or shame her for thinking maybe, Oh, that would be kind of fun. You know, if, Mm -hmm. if we tried this position or, Oh, I saw this toy or, Oh, I'd like a toy. Um, yeah, it definitely you know. comes down to there's definitely some self-esteem issues because I have had partners where, you know, you you're like, hey, a little to the right, you know, and they get offended, you know, and it's mm-hmm. and I would think that, you know, they would be, well, thank God I'm not wasting my time focusing on the wrong spot, you know, <laughs> but um, it, but it 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 is a really I think you're right, Michelle, you're hitting on something where either they feel like they're not as needed or, you know, um, but I think it's such an interesting dynamic because think about, you know, like masturbation with men is such a, like, it's just common, you know, they're like, Oh, you know, run one off or whatever, you know, they're, they're it's much more in, ex- acceptable. And I certainly don't think that, um, because that's okay for men to masturbate, that I'm so no longer going to be desired or wanted. No, actually, you know, so, don't you wish they would masturbate a little bit so then they would last longer? Right. They are, you know, they <laughs> build up that endurance. They get, well, they get rid of the the the, the stuff at the front, you know, like, get it out. <laughs> the and pre-cum? The pre-cum. <laughs> oh, okay. the, the load that's sitting there all day long, right? Just rub that out first and then, you know, come back. And then you'll last longer. <laughs> You know, you know, it's interesting. The research shows that when women are masturbating, they tend to like sex more and it doesn't necessarily take the place of partnered sex. If anything, it adds to partnered sex because a woman can communicate more what she likes, what her desire is. And also there's more of a feedback between the in a heterosexual relationship, because not everybody's in a heterosexual relationship, but in in that male female partnership, there's more of a feedback system where he is. Like, so every guy that's ever been in my office says, I just want her to enjoy sex. I just want it to be a positive thing for her. So women who masturbate actually enjoy sex more because they learn what they like and they enjoy. Mm -hmm. And as a result, they're able to have more of that feedback system with their partner, which is exactly what the male wants. He doesn't want a girl that's just laying there and kind of not interested. Mm -hmm. He wants that woman who's excited about it and involved in it. But it's interesting because I feel like our culture really shuts down female sexuality. And so the mm-hmm. very thing that these guys ask for in my office are the things that women don't feel comfortable being because they're so worried about being a whore or something. Does that right. make sense? Oh, completely. 
You know, I I think, yeah, I think there is a lot of um, this cultural shame that's tied into purity and virginity. And it's like, okay, we want you to be, we want you to be pure and virginal, but yet you need to know how to please a man. You need to know every move and you need to, right? You need to look sexy. Be a sex ninja. Right, (laughs) a sex ninja, exactly. (laughs) Did it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm curious. we talk about you know, you know, as as women, we we received messages on how to please a man, right, and what we need to be doing to please him. Do the men do men get that same type of conditioning or like discussion on how to please a woman? Because if they're sitting in your office and they're saying, "I just want to, I just want her to be happy," have they asked her? I mean, I mean, I don't know. What do you? How do you how do we what? educate our boys and our men? So what typically is happening yeah. is they've been educated through porn or the locker room stuff, you know, thanks mm-hmm. to yeah. our president who introduced that phrase. Yeah. But anyhow, yeah, so they um they'll either learn by kind of talking amongst themselves or they're it's too taboo and they'll just watch porn, but porn is very male centric. It shows women having these oh, oh wonderful orgasms essentially. <laughs> right but doing only male dominated and male driven things like most women need clitoral stimulation to ha- actually almost pretty much all of them. Like the, the real debate is that like, actually even the women who are getting penis and vagina intercourse um, orgasms are only getting it because their clitoris is there's a rule of thumb. I don't know if you guys have read the book um, mm. come as you are, <laughs> or it's either that one or something else, but like there's, if your clitoris is less than a thumb, length away from the opening of your vagina, then you're one of the magical women who can have an orgasm during sex, but you're still having oh. a clitoral stimulation. Yeah. So, so <laughs> if your if your clitoris is less than a thumb from the less opening, than thumb. less than a thumb, then, yep. um, then that means that even the smallest man in the world can make you happy. So perhaps... Yeah. Perhaps those of us who don't have their clitoris right next to the vagina, we which are is just the majority hold, of us, by the which way. Is, yeah. we're, just, we're holding out for for something a little longer, something a little bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Our standards might be a little higher because we need a little more. No, I'm not. I, I'm, just, I'm just being funny right now. I'm not. Trying I've to often judgment. wondered why evolutionary. You can have standards, Michelle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Were you but now I know. Now I know my standards can have a biological and a physical basis for it, not just because I like. Uh, Isn't it nice to have science? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, Emily, you know, what were speaking you of science, I'm curious why men haven't evolved to have a little like bump of their own on their bodies right above the penis, because we could be rubbing on that, and that would feel amazing. <laughs> like, why doesn't that exist? I don't know, but you know what? You know you can just grind the shit out of him like this. <laughs> that was my visual. You can't see that on the show, but I'm just so I'm just kind of like visually showing this nasty grind. So everybody <laughs> love it, love it. No, but you know the truth is good. I think good. I think good male partners are ones who really do take the time to ask, and there are they do exist out there, and there's obviously. Um, you know, like there it's, it comes from somewhere. And I think it honestly tends to come from people who've had a lot of sex education. Um, are you guys, when, when you're talking with people, do you, do you find that, um, like the people you're talking to are comfortable talking about sex and sexuality or are you still like when you're telling, 
like asking the stories of the people you're with that they're they're still even struggling to find themselves because I've I've noticed kind of a mix myself. So it's interesting when we've when I in my experience when I've talked to people about the podcast, I have had maybe maybe a handful that when I say the name, giggle uncomfortably and are embarrassed. And 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 I'm thinking, gosh, you're the one who really needs to listen to my podcast. Because if you're if you're if you're giggling and embarrassed at the name, there's so much, so many layers in there that need to be helped, released. Mm-hmm. Um, and some men, they if they when they hear the name and they try to find it or whatever, they're thinking it's going to be all about you know sex. And I thought you were going to talk about you know sex more. And, and they're looking at they they they're looking at. I mean, just some. Um, but on the, on the majority of the people that I've interacted with um, are very open and sometimes like over open, even when they're not on our show, they feel mm, that they can just that is tell an us interesting experience, isn't it? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, it's true. I mean, we, we know when we have a guest on kind of what their boundaries are, you know, and there are some people who like we had a, you know, Portia, who is a show we had recently, Portia Anderson, you know, before we recorded with her, she's like, ladies, I want to talk about sex. And so it was like, okay, great, you know. And, you know, so generally we kind of know the area of topic that we want to explore with somebody. Sometimes, you know, we just kind of let it, we let things unfold organically. Um, and, you know, I think there's maybe out of our, out of all of our episodes, there's maybe one time I asked a, a question that had a sexual basis and and the guest was like, I, uh, I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> I was like, okay, no problem. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, to- I totally, I feel like I get across the gamut. There's some that are like, and I'm not just talking about in my episodes, but also just in like, in the couch, you know, that there's some people mm-hmm. that are really open to talking about sex. And there's other people that are like, can we say the word vagina? <laughs> I was like, do you know, I do this all day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So what are some of the topics that you guys have covered that, you know, I know you're not just about sex and something you had said earlier. So I'm pulling some of the things from when we talked before the show, because we had a little talk powwow Mm -hmm. before the show. And one thing you said is that you want to hit, did you say (laughs) 8,000 nerve endings? Tell me, you were talking about this, Michelle. Tell us about the 8,000 nerve endings. Right. So (laughs) some people might not realize, but the clitoris has 8,000 nerve endings and we intend to hit every one of those on our show. So we have, you know, 8,000 topics or whatever, but I was blown away when I learned that the clitoris had that many nerves, which then uh, explains the powerful orgasms, right? And how like, Mm -hmm. because there's so much with it. Um, But yeah, so some of the topics that we've talked about, again, we talked with, um, you know, losing your child. Uh, We had a a woman on who is a professional with young children and, and that, and that, um, that mommy shaming she gets from, from that we do to each other, you know, from the women who stay at home and the women who are in the workplace and, you know, trying to be everything. Uh, We had um, a phenomenal discussion with uh, Michelle Minks, who's a, a pole dancer in town. She's got a, her own pole dancing academy. And she basically was some of the early, the early um, innovators in pole dancing and like two people on a pole. And she talked about, you know, what it was like to growing up in her home when she went to work at the strip club, how she's like made her life. Um, and, uh, uh, 
it, it incredible. Just one of those episodes that you're just like, I'm, I'm, I'm so fortunate to have my podcast with Emily that we get to talk to these amazing people and we get to um, learn about them and become friends with them. Um, we have discussed uh, what it was like to leave an abusive relationship, what it was like to be married to a narcissist, um, what it's like to raise be- a sociopathic son. Right. Um, what's it like to like have your body start falling apart on you um, and not knowing what's happening? Um, just pretty much, you know, a woman, you know, we're, we're also unique and uh, so many different things happen. And I think, you know, with 8,000 nerves to hit, we've got a long, long, long mm, right. time, you know, to. Do you guys bring yourselves into the podcast, like your own stories? Very much so. Yeah, we're very, we're very honest about our own personal experiences. So, you know, we've, we've shared our divorce stories. We've shared our very intimate personal feelings about, um, you know, big changes in our lives and, you know, those pivotal moments. We're very raw about them. Um, you know, and even, even to the, you know, sharing those things where it's like, you know, I I used to think this way. Thankfully, I don't anymore. And, you know, like sharing these like horrible grown? facts about ourselves from the past, you know, and, or, and yeah, or exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, right. like one episode, I was like, I really didn't expect this entire episode to be about my dry, dusty vagina girls. Now, can we move on? You know, can we talk about something else? I'm feeling a little vulnerable now. Right. Um, and uh, well, that's what the but, show's about, right? Getting exactly, vulnerable. Exactly. It's about vulnerability. Yes, it's about vulva vulnerability. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's conversations women have over a bottle of wine. So if you think about when you're sitting around the table with your girlfriends and the, and the range of the conversation that you have, you know, um, we, we want our listeners yeah. to feel like they're right there at the table with us. You know, it's kind of funny because I think about the range of the conversations and, you know, it's, it's, it, it's not uncommon for a conversation to eventually end up having some sort of sex talk, you know, not sexy talk, but sex talk. <laughs> Where you um, sit each other down and you tell each other the birds and the bees. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's just, you know, talking about what's happening at home or not happening at home or, you know, all those kinds of things. And um, I don't know, I, I find it really fascinating. I think that women actually talk about sex more than guys do. I agree with you there. Um, yeah. I, from what I hear is that it just seems like it's more comfortable for females to talk, but I don't think I've ever heard of like a, a set of guys really sitting around and being like, so when's the last time you fucked your wife? I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. That's my man voice. <laughs> or, or, or the question of like, so when you go down on her, what's the, what's your favorite technique? Is that a, do you like to go to the left or the right? I mean, are, are you, right. are your fingers inside her at the same time? I'm just wondering, yeah. you know, I mean, cause we'll be like, you know, like, so how do you give head? I mean, I've never heard about that or, you know, or you'll, you'll share like tips with each other. Um, you're like, well, if you just, you know, rub them a little bit here while you're doing this and, you know, you take that home and you're like, yeah. amazing. Thank you, yeah. girlfriends. Or yeah. the best advice I got one time was just play with the tip. Don't waste your time and all that shaft stuff because your mouth is going to start hurting <laughs> and your jaw because all the nerves are, are up the tip. And uh, that was like a game changer for me. I was like, 
I've been waste. I've been doing it wrong all these years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been trying to do like a porn person, right? You know, like. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know what's interesting about that? I've I've actually found that a lot of my clients, um, that's what has turned them off to oral sex for the females is that they've been trying to do it the way they saw it in porn. And that's what they see is this deep throating thing. I love these visuals. Deep throat. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, they've been deep throating and it hurts their jaw. It hurts. It, it's uncomfortable. They're like, gag- can't breathe. gagging. <laughs> yeah. And like, actually, that's not fun at all. What yeah. are your thoughts about oral sex, Emily? <laughs> <laughs> I love oral sex, quite honestly. Um, and I think it is really fun. I mean, I love receiving it. I like giving it. I think... Um, you know, uh, there's all kinds of fun things that you can do that um, I know to know elicits reactions, and that's always fun to discover. I, I that's one of the things I like about sex is this: it's a continual exploration, and every partner is different, and every time is different. Like I personally, like I don't have a set process that works for me every time. Like I, I need things to be you know, shake it up a little bit. Sometimes going to the visuals, this works. Sometimes this works, you know, like it's like, you know, like it's all these different methods. So sometimes it's a little this and a little that, you know. Like, I just so. want people to know that what she did was a cross <laughs> and circles because there's nobody watching this video. Right. Squares, <laughs> rectangles, that's all for the clit, right? Or were you talking about penises? <laughs> no, no, that for the clit, yeah. So right, I, cool, I cool, cool. you know, and I've, I, you know, I think men are probably, you know, I don't know the same way and enjoy different things at different times. What do you think, Michelle? Do you like oral sex? <laughs> I, yeah, I do. I like, I, as Emily said, you know, I, I also like to receive it um, as well as give it. I would say that uh, for me, receiving it can um, <laughs> be, can definitely be like a show of love for me because they, uh, cause I'm not somebody that's just going to come right away. I, I enjoy it. And so they'll have to like work a little longer and harder to make it happen. So, um, so if they're expecting it to happen, like, you know, in 30 seconds, you know, 20 you know, minutes. Like, yeah. It, no, I don't know if it's 20 minutes. I think oh, it's, for me, it's 20 minutes. It's 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's important for people to share that because every woman, that ever comes to me feels like they're taking too long and yeah. it usually is 20 to 30 minutes. That's a, that's not uncommon. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and then when, so I, um, the thing that will immediately turn me off and like, you know, dry me up and it's all over is if they're down there and they're working and then they sigh and I feel their oh, shoulders yeah. go down. It's like, they're, cause I, I've read that is you're taking too long and then I can't, right. and I can't come after that. I'm like, never mind. You put pressure on yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'll start yeah. like, you know, starting imagining other people having sex with me and not the person who is maybe if I think about that, I'll come sooner. Right. But, um, as far as like, um, I really, uh, enjoyed it after I got divorced. Um, and I had read this, I read this website and I sure it's not more cause it was so long ago. And it was, um, a gay guy had described giving head, like had all the techniques. And that's what I was like. I learned, I was like, Oh my God, there's so many tricks and tips and how to do it. And that's where I read about yeah. not, you know, not fooling around with the shaft and all the different things you could do. And I got like really good at it. So I do enjoy it. And then through my many, 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 many years of being divorced, 
I kind of felt um, sad when I would be with a new partner and I would do something that they had never had done before. And I was like, you're how old? And you've never had your balls licked, you know? Um, and I would feel <laughs> yeah. bad for that. I'm like, wow, you've gone a long time. It's you like know? you've and- lived your whole life without <laughs> ball licking. Without you have no licking. idea what's out there. Oh, <laughs> oh, a woman licking your balls. Wow. Well, I'm glad I gave that to you. Yeah. I'm glad I was able you know, to. I definitely feel like I, after my divorce, I, I kind of came into, it's funny. I always thought I was very sexual. I was a sex, th- I still am a sex therapist, obviously. <laughs> but like after my divorce, it's like, I learned so much more about sex. Cause you know, you're with this one person. I was with my partner for 11 years and Me I had kind of explored a little bit before then, but I really, I don't think I really got to know at all about the different things that please me and please part my partners. And so when I divorced, it was like, oh my God, I found my clitoris. I found things that mm-hmm. I didn't even know these existed. And it was a really exciting experience for me. Um, yeah. Emily, you said you got divorced too at some point. Did you have any divorce revelation? Yeah. I, so I, yes, I was married for 12 years and then we were together for four years prior to that. So I was, we were together for 16 years and, um, you know, I, I wasn't, I really didn't enjoy sex with him, you know, and there's a, a lot of reasons for that. Um, I, you know, he really didn't care that if I was enjoying it or not, you know, that in, and in fact, I remember his, his like number one sales pitch to me to try and convince me to have sex would be, I promise it'll be quick. And like, you're, it's the wrong pitch, (laughs) you know? Um, I'll just get in and get out. You won't notice at all. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Except you'll be messy afterwards, you know, in a blink of an eye. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So for me, it was extremely awakening to, um, move on from my, from my partner and, um, and, and just realize how fun it could be, you know, um, and that it didn't have to come with all this pressure. I was yeah. most excited when another partner was able to um, get me off of the clitoris. Like me and my partner always kind of struggled with that. And so um, like I had this new boyfriend, I won't mention his name because he's not with me anymore and it'll be weird. But like, I remembered he was, he just had this magical finger thing that he did that I was like, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> like every time. And I was like, where did you learn that? And he's like, well, when I was younger, I dated older women. And that oh. was very interesting because as I started to explore with different partners, here's oh, the answer to the question from earlier in the show is that men who learn how to please women date older women when they're younger. Because oh. <laughs> quite a few of them mentioned that to me. And they were women who had like over 30, over 40. They were comfortable in their skin and they told them exactly what they wanted and they didn't have time to waste. Right. <laughs> right. Oh right. my gosh. That's how they learn. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Or they're short. If it's a short man, then he has a lot to prove. (laughs) Oh, I have experienced, uh, yeah, I had a, a partner once that was quite short, but man, oh man, he was really hung. He was well endowed, which I, you know. I didn't but was expect. he good in bed? Because my theory is Very. when they're short. Okay, good. 
Yeah, very good. So, yeah. Okay. So it checks out. What about you, Michelle? Is my storyline going or no? <laughs> um, so, you know, I've, I was married for, a, uh, actually by the time our divorce was final, we had been married for 12 years, but he left after 10 years. And so I've been, I've been single now for 16, going on 17 years, a long time. And uh, I found that I was fortunate that one of my first partners post divorce was a quite giving lover. And I didn't know, I, I think there were times I, w- I would cry in bed because I had never had that much of uh, enjoyment and, um, and like uh, um, r- taking away layers and layers of shame, you know, um, cause I always, I love to make out and I, I loved mm-hmm. sex, but I think after being with one person and married and kids and all those things. And it just, I mean, I knew my ex self. Yeah. And I knew that my, my ex wanted to have sex was when he would mow the lawn and he would look at me and go like, look at me, I'm mowing the lawn. Look at me. I'm taking the trash out. (laughs) I did something. Exactly. (laughs) And so I I would be like, all right, I guess I'll go fix me a drink so I can make sure I'm ready for, you know, I can get through it later. Um, so it was, this is the exchange. You mow the lawn. I fuck you. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't an exchange that we had entered into together. Like, Oh, Hey, if you'll mow the lawn, I'll fuck you. It was more like now it's expected of me. And so it, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't the, um, you know, at the end of the day, that's why we're divorced, right? There was it, the compatibility wasn't there for a number of so reasons. I think a lot of women, though, like part of why marriage sex can be kind of tough. So I call marriage sex prison sex uh, as a joke, but like because <laughs> it feels that way over time, like you're cellmates, right? Yeah. And like, I think it's because of that expectation, like there become these weird expectations where it's not about I want to do this. It's that mm-hmm. I have to or you're going to get Definitely. pissed at me. Obligatory <laughs> sex. I hate obligatory right. sex. Yes. How <laughs> well, I know. I hope well, if we do one thing in our our podcasts is if we can go ahead and get rid of that term, your wifely duty. Right. You know, like, we can just eliminate that from the vernacular so that the women and the young ladies and you know, growing up and getting married, they will never feel that they have to have do their wifely duty. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I would hear it from my older, ge- the older generation. Oh, I just hated it when I would have to do my wifely duty. And I think about all those years of all those women that had just really shitty sex, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and I think a lot of them just cheated on their husbands, actually, you know, I mean, really? <laughs> yeah, well, that's another weird topic. But, you know, I do a lot of infidelity work. So my guess is if any of them got good sex, it probably was outside of marriage. Um, right. Yeah. Because, yeah, like the wifely duty, that obligatory thing just makes it, it's no fun. It makes it feel just like pressure and annoying. And I don't know about you guys, but I I was talking to, I was talking to my friend earlier about this and there was this period at the end of, at the end of the marriage where I kind of didn't want to have sex at all anymore. And I oh. feel like my vagina just shut down entirely. Like it was right. just like, nah, not going, not doing right. it. And I just, I've been lately asking some of my clients, like, if they feel like they're getting close to the edge of like, should we stay or should we go? I'll ask like, are you guys enjoying sex or does it feel like you're kind of raping yourself? And I know that's a weird crass question, but like a lot of them, it makes sense to them. Cause it's like, yeah, it does. It feels kind of like I have to consent to this, but I'm not, and I'm not enjoying it. And yeah. so like, I'm just mm-hmm. there, but I'm not. 
Yeah, I have a friend um, who said the last time she had sex with her husband before they divorced, she said it felt like he was raping her. She was so checked out of the marriage, didn't want to be there, and she she still can she considers it a rape, you know, because mm-hmm. it wasn't not something that she wanted. And I just think about how many women, you know, all, all the generations before us who had to endure that kind of that kind of stuff. And you know, if we can in a small way, help prevent, uh, you know, a, a percentage, you know, I know we're not going to get a hundred percent, but, uh, if we can yeah. help some and we, realize. Yeah. We've, we've talked quite a bit about this whole, the gray areas behind consent, you know, and, uh, you know, there's the obvious yes and no's, but there's, a, there's the, you know, if you've, you know, hounding somebody for two hours to have sex with you, and then they finally give in and have sex with you, that was not a yes. You know, just because they said yes to stop the hounding and just get past that moment, that's mm-hmm. still not a yes. And I think that there's there's so many instances um, that are on that scale, you know, that um, that I think there needs to be more conversation around that, you know, it's not okay to pressure somebody into it. it it's not okay to um, make somebody feel obligated because you mowed the lawn. Now you have to do your wifely duty. You know, those are mm-hmm. um, or bought you a meal yeah. or to with bought or to you a drink. Affection, oh, right? Like there, there can be the punishment afterwards. So, like you rejected me. So I'm just, I'm just not going to talk to you. Like I have time, times where clients like they just ignore each other for a week because he didn't, you know, or she. Like I mean, I. You, you know, it's funny. So like, because I'm a therapist, I'm always trying to be very inclusive in my words. So it's not that it can't go both ways. But to be fair, it's more often male to female than it is female to male. It doesn't mean it can't happen because it can. I actually have situations where the female wants to have sex and the male is not interested. He just has a lot lower desire. Maybe he struggles with ED. So like it can go both ways. So I do want to be inclusive there. But regardless, I just think, you know, I don't, I don't know. I think we're unraveling a lot of those old concepts, like that old generation of like, this is what your wifely duty is, is still there. And even though it was interesting when you said it, cause I'm like, I don't think I was told that necessarily, but I still have that sense of, well, I better do this or the whole marriage is going to fall apart. <laughs> right. <laughs> Up in flames. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I better yeah. do this or he's going to pout for four days. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I got, I got, I already got kids to take care of. I don't need to deal with a, a grown ass man pouting all the time because he didn't get, you know, didn't get his rocks off, you know, because so too many times, you know, too many times, um, uh, partners later as the, like, as things are unraveling and, you know, divorce really is going to happen unless for some miracle they, you know, fi- are able to find their way back to each other, um, I do that all the time. I end up with like too much of a qualifying sentence, but then I forget. <laughs> <my point. laughs> what am I talking about? Too many times is what you said. I too know. Many times. Too many times. Um, it ends up being where the thank you very much came back to me, where the partner, whether it's you or you know, or if you're on the, you just feel like a receptacle. You know, right. you're not all you are is a body to them. You're just a vagina, a, a cum hole, dumpster, a, a cum mm-hmm. dumpster. You know, for them. My, my grandmother divorced. used to call it being a dump bucket. A she dump called bucket. sex being a dump bucket. Mm. Yeah, I've Isn't heard that you're terrible? just masturbating inside me. You know, right. like, I've heard 
I've heard all the worst. <laughs> I mean, because if you think about it, I mean, like if they, when they do come inside you, they, they're done, right? They're like done. But now you have to deal with all the rest of the stuff for however long it takes to leak out of you and all that sort of stuff if they're not, um, you know, uh, wearing a condom. Um, and then and then the whole <laughs> get a towel because I'm not going to sleep on the wet spot. You know? Oh, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> You know, I think it's really nice when a partner comes back to you with a paper towel. <laughs> yeah, like, a hey, warm washcloth. A warm washcloth or something. <laughs> you know, my my ex would definitely he would just go get a sandwich. He's like, "All right, I'm out of here." <laughs> here. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, "Okay, like, what am I going to do with this?" <laughs> Guess I'll just change the bed. You know, something like that. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> So Did he at least share his sandwich with you. Oh God, no, no, God, no. that's fine, that's fine. So, so if I if I were to come come to you as a as a client, I would probably identify like some trauma related to sex and food. You know, I'd probably like have to identify and unroll unravel the PTSD around uh, you know uh, 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 po boy sandwiches and and the thought of sex or the after sex and stuff. Yeah, I can PTSD. imagine. <laughs> yeah. Every time she eats a po' boy, she's like, no, take it away. <laughs> I've got to change my sheets. <laughs> All right, ladies. <laughs> Too much on me. <laughs> well, so we're towards the end of the podcast. And um, I just wanted to thank you guys for being on. It's been very fun. I feel like we've gone through quite a few topics. I'm like, I what know. happened here? But it's anyhow, ladies, great. will you will you go ahead and plug? Tell tell the audience what how do they find you if they want to watch your podcast or listen to it or both? Yeah. So um, we have a website, clitoralyspeakingpodcast.com. Um, and of course we have, you know, you can basically download our podcast anywhere and everywhere podcasts are downloadable. And we also have a YouTube channel, which is where you can watch it if you prefer to see all the hand gestures that we make while we're, um, <laughs> while we're talking. Um, <laughs> we also have a, a monthly, a time of the month show. That's a one hour on Facebook. It's the last Wednesday of the month. And, uh, we do that, uh, usually around eight to 9 PM. And it's just a fun way to engage with our audience. Yeah. Yeah. As we say, our time of the month should only last an hour and it should always be on the last Wednesday, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, we like to joke about that. And we've had some fun times on that, on our, our time of the month show. And you can see, um, back episodes if you want, um, also on our Facebook page. We also have Instagram mm -hmm. and, uh, Emily does a phenomenal job with our Instagram account. Yep, we have a little fun with that. Yeah. For yeah, people who yeah. can't spell it, how do you spell clitorally speaking? Literally <laughs> with a C. Speaking. <laughs> yeah, so it's the word literally. That's L-I-T-E-R-A-L-L-Y. And then you just add a C in the front. So it's clitorally speaking, the podcast. Um, you right. can reach us. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was what agreeing with saying? you. Oh, sure. I was like, you can email us at clitorallyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. And then one of the initiatives Emily and I have, along with our friend, uh, Dr. Becky Lynn, is um, prior to the corona times, um, and hopefully we'll be able to get this back um, once after the, the quarantine, uh, we do adult bedtime stories. And that is adult sex education with erotic readings and Q&A time. So that is ticketed events um, and... Uh, um, lots of sharing, lots of discussion, and it's it's really good. We've enjoyed um, yeah. our adult bedtime stories. 
That sounds really fun. Well, I thank you again for both of you joining me. And of course, those of you who are listening, you can find me at www.therapistinstlouis.com or www.aboutsexpodcast.com. Thank you for listening and stay kinky, St. Louis.